Welcome back to another episode of Emotionally Online, a podcast for spilling guts and sharing secrets hosted by yours truly, the one and only Maddie fucking draws back. Uh, We're doing another solo episode this week. I promise I'm going to start bringing more of my friends on. We're going to have more conversations, but right now, this week, it's just easier for me to film by myself with all the other shit that I have going on. I feel like I've been so behind on life in general recently I feel like I'm trying to play catch up but I I'm getting there I'm getting closer to getting there um as I'm sitting here filming I'm looking at a stack of books in front of me that I'm supposed to read in the next three weeks I'm doing a a challenge for myself on my YouTube channel where I only read smut for an entire month and I picked out six books that I'm going to try to read (laughs) this month so let's hope that I can get through all of them. I've just been going a little slow with my reading. Uh, I mean, I've still, you know, I read what, like four books last month, which is great, but I'm still behind what I want to be for my reading goal for the year, which I said I wanted to read 50 books. I think I've read about 15 at this point. Some months I read more than others, but trying to catch up. So anyways, I have six books that I'm reading this month in the next like three weeks for a video that I'm making. So got to catch up on that because I'm in the middle of the first book right now. So I've got quite a way to go. So hi, how are we doing? How are we feeling? We've had a very heavy week. We've been having a time um, and I want to have some fun this episode. We're going to talk about weeks three and four of Love Island. And I also wanted to go through and answer some of the advice requests that you guys submitted. If you don't know, there is a submission box for the show where you can submit stories that you want to tell me, anything that you need advice on. If you want, you know, if you're in a fight with your friends and you want to know, like, am I the asshole in this situation or are they like just put your story in the submission box. I would love to read your story out on the show and see, see what we think, see what we're working with here. So I did pick out a few of the submissions from the box to go through today. I figured we could just have a little chat, have a little girl talk advice session moment, and then talk about Love Island. Lighthearted. It's fun. We're having a great time. We're drinking our prebiotic soda and Uh, It's going to be a good day. It's a good day to have a good day, everybody. I'm actually, I'm filming this the day before it goes live. I always film the podcast like the day before, two days before I'm going to post just so that the Love Island commentary can be up to date. But I'm actually going on a date immediately after I film this video. Well, not immediately after. I'm going to film this video, then I'm going to watch Love Island, and then I'm going to get ready to go on this date that I have tonight, which I'm so excited about and just have been feeling good about, feeling happy about. I really put myself out there and just like asked someone out that I've been interested in for a while. Uh, I was very scared, <laughs> but I don't know. Something came over me a few days ago and I was just like, what do I have to lose in asking this person out for real? There's a little bit of history there. So it wasn't like I was going in blind, right? I know that there's something, but I, whatever. We don't have to talk about this. But anyways, I'm going on a date tonight. (laughs) And I'm very excited about it. So I'm just in an all-around good mood, ready to talk about Love Island, answer some advice questions. So let's just jump right into it. So the first submission I have here says, Hi, Maddie. I've been watching your content for over two and a half years, and my gosh, I cry when you cry at this point. Thank you for sticking around for so long. That means the world to me. I guess my question is, why do I feel guilty when masturbating? Like, I feel like I have bad luck after it. I guess it's a thing. And the response from people on Reddit seemed to say, then stop. But I don't believe that's healthy to do. If you read this, just to let you know, you are an MVP. Okay, let's dive into this. Why do I feel guilty when masturbating? And why do you maybe feel like you have bad luck after masturbating? Obviously, I don't I don't know you. I don't know your situation, but I think that oftentimes when people feel guilt after masturbating, guilt after indulging in their own sexualities, 
it is often because they grew up in either religious households or very, very conservative households that talking about sex was incredibly taboo. It was not acceptable. Um, and there was just like an overall, like, we don't talk about this here sort of vibe in your house growing up. Um, I think this is incredibly common. I think more people feel this way than you would think. Um, I think a lot of the time on the internet, it might feel like or seem like a lot of people are comfortable with sex and masturbation because the people that are talking about it are loud and the people that are not comfortable are not talking about it at all. So I would just, you know, to start this off, I want to let you know that you are not alone in feeling this way. A lot of people feel this way and it is incredibly normal, incredibly common and I don't think there's anything wrong with you. Um, And I also don't think that masturbating is any type of bad luck whatsoever. Obviously, I'm a big fan of masturbation. I think it's lovely. I think it's wonderful. Uh, Not only for the fact that it is obviously a good fucking time and who doesn't like an orgasm, but also because I think that it is um, such a tool in getting to know yourself and what you like and what you don't like. I think it makes uh, communicating that to partners a lot easier. But obviously, a lot of people grew up in households uh, where the general attitude around sex and masturbation was like, no, we don't talk about that here. We don't do that here. Like, that's bad. That's sinful. And if that is the kind of attitude that you grew up around, if that's how you learned about sex and masturbation for the first time is through the lens of like, this is bad. We don't do this. It totally makes sense why you would feel guilty or why your subconscious would be telling you like, oh, did I just give myself bad luck by doing this? Um, Ultimately, the answer is no, you did not give yourself bad luck by doing this. Masturbation is a beautiful, wonderful thing. Pleasure is a beautiful, wonderful thing. And I think it's always a good thing to bring more of it into our lives. Um, Is masturbation for everyone? No, obviously you don't have to masturbate if you don't want to, but I would agree with you in that the response on Reddit seems like it it doesn't, it lacks nuance and to look at a situation where someone is feeling guilty about masturbating as like, well, if you feel guilty, then just stop doing it. It feels like it's a little bit more complicated than that because guilt doesn't just come out of nowhere. That's not usually an emotion that just randomly got here and there's no reason for it. Like if someone's feeling guilty after masturbating, I think that is an indication that there is probably something to work through there. Now, if you don't feel comfortable masturbating, if you do some, you know, reflecting and thinking about it and you decide not for me, I don't want it. It does make me feel uncomfortable and that's not something that I want to work through or work past. That's totally fine. You do not have to enjoy masturbating or make it a regular part of your life. if That's not something that you like to do. You don't have to force yourself to do anything, you know, but based on the way you worded this, I feel like you do want to and you do want to have a good, healthy relationship with yourself on that level personally um but you just feel guilty and you feel like icky afterwards and you don't really know why you don't really know like how to turn it around so my advice to you would be I think that the process of getting rid of feelings of guilt around sex and masturbation especially if you were raised super religious this was the kind of attitude you had around sex um or even if maybe you feel like it's more subconscious and it's not like you have like this little voice in your head that's like, this is bad. This is bad. If it's just like a feeling that is here and you don't know why it's here and it's more like a subconscious, even if you don't actively believe that sex is bad and masturbation is bad, it might just like sort of be grilled into your brain from years as a kid. If that was, you know, how you were brought up, I think it's probably just going to be a long process of unlearning what you originally learned about sex and masturbation and learning about it again from a new light and a fresh perspective. Um, I think consuming sex education content, consuming content from creators that uh, talk about masturbation and self-pleasure in a very casual way. Obviously, if you're watching my content, I'm one of those people. Um, Shan Boudram is another one who talks about sex and masturbation a lot. Um, Hannah Witten is another one. Uh, I think there are a lot of creators that are very open in talking about sex and masturbation. And 
Uh, I would definitely recommend following more creators that are like that, more creators that normalize it. Even following like sex toy brands who make like a ton of content about masturbation. I follow Balesa. Um, obviously, I work with Balesa a ton. And you can find a lot of creators through brands that way as well. Like, go look at who Balesa is working with. People who are working with sex toy companies are probably all very open with talking about masturbation. They probably have content about it. I think it helps to just sort of have like exposure therapy, I guess, like just making it more normal. And like, if everyone around you is thinking this way, if the content you consume is just constantly of people who are talking about sex and masturbation in very like, you know, accessible, um, welcoming ways. I think that helps a lot. I think if you are in therapy, this would also be a great topic to talk about in therapy. Um, obviously I think there are, there are aspects of like undoing guilt as it pertains to sex and masturbation that can get very emotional and that can be, uh, harder than just like doing it on your own and trying to rewrite and relearn the ways that you see sex and masturbation on your own. I think having a professional to talk through these things with and reflect with on would help a lot. Um, And also I think like opening up with your friends and people that are close to you and making these types of conversations more normalized and uh, talked about within your day-to-day life and the people that you know personally. I think it's honestly just all about basically taking whatever you knew about sex and masturbation and whatever you learned when you were younger, throwing it out and starting fucking fresh. Um, I think it's a probably a long journey. I don't think it's something that's going to happen overnight, but you sound like you're, you know, someone who knows that they're interested in masturbation and interested in building that connection with yourself and with your body. So I think you'll do just fine. I think you'll be okay. And I hope that you aren't being too hard on yourself for feeling guilt after masturbating. And and I do think that you can overcome feeling that way in time with practice and perhaps with um, a professional to help you reflect and unpack where that guilt really comes from. Our next mission here says, hi, Maddie. Love you. Love you also. I wanted to ask you for some advice. I'm 20 and have never dated, had a boyfriend or even kissed someone before. I feel like I was a late bloomer and didn't really have an interest on the immature nose picking and low key bullies from my school. I don't feel ashamed about it, but I do have a lot of anxiety and insecurity surrounding the topic. One of my goals this year was to begin dating and I downloaded Bumble and matched with this guy. We had three dates. He is really nice and attentive, but I don't feel a fire and I'm not sure I feel attracted to him. We haven't kissed yet, mainly because he doesn't really get the signs and is also a bit awkward, but we do have long, deep conversations. He is a nice dude, but I'm not sure how that can evolve. How do you differentiate between a possible good friend and a possible good boyfriend? And how do you release yourself from your own two decade long expectations about your next boyfriend? This is a fantastic question. I'm so excited to answer this one. Um... I hate to kick this off with something a little bit cliche, but it is very true. And I think it holds true in this situation. But when you know, you know, Um, if you have to sit asking yourself, do I like this person? You probably don't like that person. (laughs) I think that um, especially when it comes to partners and like potential people that we see ourselves dating and uh, being invested in romantically, It's one of those things that, you know, we can all make checklists of what we're hoping to find in partners and what we need in relationships. And sometimes you can get a lot of those things, maybe all of those things, and just not feel it. And I think that's fine. And that's normal. And you don't have to be like, oh, but he's so attentive and kind. I I should like him, but I just don't. Like, if you don't feel it, if that spark is not there, then it's not there. You know, like they, this person can be amazing on paper, but if your personalities don't like mesh together in that way, if you don't feel that spark, um, then you just don't feel it. And, and I think sometimes it's not so deep of like, you know, there's something wrong with this person or something wrong with me. Like, 
uh, sometimes you're just incompatible. You don't, you don't mesh together like that. And I don't think you have to force yourself to like someone, even if they check a lot of boxes or seem great on paper. If you don't feel it, you don't feel it. And I don't think there needs to be an explanation more than that. Um, as far as your question of how do you differentiate between a possible good friend and a possible good boyfriend, I guess I just sort of see it as a, you know, when you know type situation. If you're sitting there asking yourself, do I like this person or is it just a friend? I think you have your answer. I think, you know, um, I think sometimes things can grow and evolve over time. And maybe at first there's not really something there and you keep putting time into it. You get to know this person better and something grows and evolves and you do start to feel an attraction towards them. Um, only you can know what that timeline is for me. I feel like I usually know if I'm going to like someone all after the first date, like I, I can tell if like it's there or not the spark is there but that's not the case with everyone sometimes it takes longer to get to know that person to understand you know your connection your dynamic to sort of grow into it a little bit before deciding like yes I like this person I see something we have some sort of connection sometimes it just takes longer for that spark to spark um it could still be there but I think oftentimes if you've been going on a few dates, you've gone on like three or four and you're still sort of like, I don't know if I feel it. It might just be not the right fit. Even if he checks a lot of your boxes and is like super great, if you don't feel it, you don't feel it. And like imagine meeting someone who checked all those boxes, but you did feel it with, you know, like that someone is out there for you and you just got to go find that someone. Not everyone's going to be a match. That's totally okay. Um, and the second part of your question, how do you release yourself from your own two decades long expectations about your next boyfriend, which I can relate to that. (laughs) Um, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having expectations and with being like, this is what I expect in my next partner. This is what I want. I think that's an incredible thing. It's it's an amazing thing to know what you want so clearly and to be able to go out and look for that and get what you deserve, like fucking more power to you go out there and fucking get it. Um, I would just encourage you to not be like, the most rigid ever, especially with the expectations that you have that are maybe more, uh, like appearance based or stuff that is, you know, I I think it's, it's good to set expectations and boundaries of things that we know are like, I need this in a relationship, you know, Like for myself, I need someone who communicates well and consistently and who shows up. I do not do well with partners who are sort of wishy-washy, who are shit at texting, who disappear for days on end. Like I will never get along with people like that. That is not the type of partner that I need to be around to feel good. Um, I know that about myself. That's a hard line. That's like a hard expectation for me. But, you know, there are other things that are maybe not like so do or die in relationships that like I can sit here and say, oh, I really love uh, you know, dating other creative people. I love dating other people to do video, uh, you know, writers, uh, musicians, people that I can connect with on that level since creating is such a huge part of my life. That's something that I definitely look for and that I find myself being more attracted to, but that's not like do or die for me. I, I'm not going to not date someone because they're not creative or, um, you know, they don't have like some type of connection to me in that way it's fine to not so I think my only thing is like this dream person that you've been thinking of this dream relationship that you've been thinking of just do a little bit of thinking on like what is it that you actually genuinely like need no negotiations what is it that is truly very important to you and what is just like parts of that fantasy and parts of that dream that could be changed and that it that wouldn't impact your happiness whatsoever, you know, just like keeping the stuff that really matters and sort of letting go of the stuff that is more on the outside of the stuff that really matters. Also, you are 20. You've got so much time to figure this out, to figure out what you want and to date and to, you know, meet other people. Don't, don't feel discouraged if, you know, the first guy that you meet on Bumble is not the one. 
I can't tell you how many dates I've been on on dating apps and none of them were the one. So, um, don't, don't, don't feel bad about it. You've got a lot of time and, uh, odds are the first people you match with on Bumble are not going to be the one and that's okay. <laughs> Next question is also about dating apps. It says, I've been on dating apps for a couple years now and nothing good has come out of it. What's your take on finding your partner on a dating app? Do you think that because it's somewhat of a shortcut to connect with people that finding your soulmate just isn't going to happen without it happening naturally? Also, wouldn't you think it'd be super awkward to introduce your significant other to your family and saying you met them online? Would love to hear your opinion on this. So obviously I'm very critical of dating apps because I have been on them and for many years and you know we can criticize and make fun of dating apps especially us bitches that have been on it for years like it's sort of like the same vibe of like I can say my brother is an asshole but you can't say my brother is an asshole like I can say he's an asshole because that's my fucking brother I can say that dating apps are fucking annoying and shit because I've been on them for years but people who've never done the dating app thing and never like been on dating apps there is a part of me that's like okay hey but you don't know but you don't get it and like there are some good parts of it too people who are on dating apps are not just like fucking on here making ourselves miserable for no reason like there's a lot of pros to being on dating apps which is why I'm still on them um obviously if it was all bad I just wouldn't fucking go on them but I think there are a lot of pros to being on dating apps and ultimately I think that like this idea that meeting someone online is like weird to talk about or embarrassing feels a little early 2000s to me And listen, you know I love the early 2000s, but I just think that things have really changed. Um, Like, I remember growing up and seeing the ads for, like, Match.com and eHarmony and being, like, the sort of cultural conversation around those things at the time was, like, oh, that's embarrassing. That's a last-ditch effort to find someone who likes you. Um, And I think that that a lot came from the fact that those type of sites, social media, very new at the time. So people are automatically like, this is weird. Why would we do this? We, we've we been doing it in a different way for, you know, since the dawn of time. Why would we meet people on the internet? Why would we date on the internet? But I think the, the reality is just that like social media and meeting people online and meeting people on the internet has become a major part of our culture with the development of social media. And, um, I don't think that there's anything different about meeting someone on a dating app versus meeting someone in real life. And I say that because a lot of the people that you're meeting in real life are also on dating apps. (laughs) Like they're so popular, especially like an app like Hinge, Bumble. You go out to a bar in Manhattan, you go to a bar in Brooklyn and you just start going around to people like, Hey, are you on Hinge? Hey, are you on Hinge? fucking most of the people in that room are going to tell you, yes, I'm on Hinge. Yes, I have a dating app. If you're single and you're living in a city, odds are you are on dating apps. Um, So a lot of the time, like the people that you could meet in person, you could also meet on a dating app. And just because you have a dating app doesn't mean that you can't meet someone you know, day to day. If you meet someone at a coffee shop, you meet someone at a coffee shop. Like the fact that you have the app isn't uh, retracting or like making that not happen in any way, you know, like, uh, it's just another way to possibly meet someone. And you could meet someone out and about at a coffee shop, at a park, on a walk, at a restaurant, at a bar, or you could meet someone on the app. At the end of the day, it's just like another additional way to meet someone. Um, and I think if you're trying to date, you're trying to put yourself out there, like why fucking not? put yourself out there in more than one way and just up your potential of meeting someone, especially because fucking everyone is on the apps. Um, it's just a fact, uh, with the growth of social media, with how, you know, connected we are and on our phones all the time, like online dating, dating apps make a lot of fucking sense. And most people, it's just more convenient. So I think that like the way that dating apps and dating sites were seen, when they were first sort of becoming a thing, uh, it's just very different now. And everyone seems to be on them. And it's I don't think that it's uh, like weird or embarrassing at all. I wouldn't feel weird. Like if I started dating someone that I met off Hinge, I wouldn't feel weird about that in any way. Yeah, we met on Hinge. 
it's like the same fucking thing as meeting someone in person, right? It's just that some people get on their high horse about it. Um, but we're all on them and it is like a very convenient way to meet people. So I don't know. I kind of see it as like anybody who thinks it's weird, that's kind of their own problem. Um, it feels like a personal thing and not like a, there's actually an issue here thing, you know? Um, also I think that like for all of the cons of dating apps and all the bad parts of dating apps, there are a ton of amazing parts of dating apps too, which is why so many of us use them. Speaking for myself, for example, dating as a plus size woman is an interesting experience, a unique one, you know, if you know, I feel a lot of anxiety and fear around men as a lot of us do. Um, but a lot of my anxiety and fear around men is like very connected to my body and my body image because anyone who's ever been mean to me about my body is a man. (laughs) Um, so I feel like naturally more reserved when it comes to like going up to someone in public and hitting on them because I am afraid of how they might react to me. Um, and that's obviously like a difficult thought and it's not one that I even like, it makes me feel gross to even talk about because I've had an abundance of people interested in me and want me. And I don't think that my body makes me less desirable in any way. There are tons of people that are so excited to date a woman like me and will love me the way that I deserve to be loved. Um, but it is worth noting that fat phobia does exist and some people are very scary. (laughs) So there's, for me, when I, you know, have gone out to bars with my friends in college or, um, a park, like anywhere that you can meet someone and there have been men around, like I'm never going to go up and flirt with some guy that I find attractive in a bar because I don't know how he's going to react to me. And there is a fear inside me that like, okay, maybe I'm going to go up to this guy and he'll react to me well. Um, or maybe he will get really fucking mad that I even thought that he would be interested in me. Like I know how violent fat phobia can be. And I honestly do don't want to go through that. I don't want to experience that. Not to like put a Debbie Downer on this, but these are things I think about and like going up to men in public. It's something I'm too afraid to do because not that I don't think that I'm hot and desirable. I do think that I'm hot and desirable. And I think a lot of men would love if I walked up to them because they're too intimidated to walk up to me, but I probably won't do it because I it's, you can't tell if someone is like, not a violent fat phobe or not, you know, like men are scary. I'm scared of them. And I have enjoyed dating apps because it takes away that part of it. I already know that they're attracted to me. I already know they're interested in me before we ever start talking. So I can show up as my honest self and be honest and be flirty and put myself out there and take the lead where if I met someone in real life, I probably wouldn't take the lead because I am too afraid of them. I'm too afraid of what they might do or say to me if it turns out that they are a fat phobe. So I have enjoyed dating apps because I just feel like it allows me to date a little bit easier without the anxiety. I'm sure that I probably could date more in real life. I'm sure a lot of it is in my head and it is fear that has come up through like years of bad experiences with men and, you know, being bullied as a kid for my body, always from men. A woman has never been mean to me. Um, so I think I've just had a lot of challenging experiences with men. I don't trust them. I fear them. And being on dating apps where someone, you already know that there's a baseline attraction there when they swipe on you. It just gives me a boost of confidence and like a security net that makes me feel uh, more comfortable being myself and taking the lead, which I enjoy doing, but I am not trying to like be assaulted by a fat phobe. So like I go to the park and men come up and hit on me all the time, but I 
don't like it when they do that. So I'm also kind of like, I don't like it when men come up to me in public because I think they're scary and I don't like them. And even if someone super attractive came up to me at the park and started hitting on me, like I probably still would be like, eh, stop talking to me. Like I, it is scary to exist as a woman. Okay. And I don't like it when men speak to me in person. I don't want to go out of my way to hit on a guy because I'm scared of fat phobes. And ultimately dating apps give me some sort of anxiety of release because I already know a little bit about them off the bat. As I'm saying this, I, I know I can hear it that there is some insecurity at play here. Obviously I talked to my therapist about this. Um, so some of what I'm saying is rooted in truth and some of what I'm saying is rooted in insecurity. Either way, dating apps help ease that a little bit. All right. So, uh, that's how I feel. And I know that a lot of people feel that way if you live in a body that is not the beauty standard and have experienced negativity because of the way that you look. Um, it is nice to just have the affirmation about your physical appearance before, you know, really putting yourself out there. That's all. So to round out this question, geez, my take on dating apps is like, you know, we, there are pros and cons here. We can criticize dating apps up and down all day long. Fucking that's what I do all day long. All I do is bitch and moan about dating apps, but there are a lot of pros to being on apps. Um, otherwise we wouldn't be on them (laughs) if they were all bad. Um, also I think we're just at a point in time with social media and the way that we connect with each other online, that dating apps are a very natural thing for a lot of us. They're convenient. They're a nice way to meet people and put yourself out there. Um, and all of us are on them. So I don't see any real difference in meeting on a dating app versus meeting in real life. Cause a lot of the time, like you're meeting on a dating app and then you take it to real life. You know, you text for like a day or two, a week, then you go on a date and then it's like the same fucking thing. Right. So, um, I don't see much of a difference. I don't personally care. I think it's just sort of like Welcome to 2022, you know? All right. Those took me so long to answer. So that's it for the advice column for today. Now it's time to hop into Love Island. The island does a buck in the villa, mate. (laughs) I'm having so much fucking fun this season. It was a little slow. Started a little slow, but we're fully fucking heating up now. The drama is here. The drama is fresh. We're having a good fucking time. So I'm going to talk about weeks three and four, which is like, oh God, no, I've got to do math inside my head. It's like episodes 12 to 19 and then 20 to 25. So 12 to 25. Took me a minute, but we got there. (laughs) Um, I think those are the episodes that I'm talking about. I can tell you that... We're going to talk about up and two when they leave for Casa Amor. I'm not going to talk about Casa Amor. I'm literally filming this the day before the episode goes live. So I have watched two episodes of Casa Amor stuff so far, but I'm not going to be talking about that in today's episode. So let's open up my notes here, mate. All right. So let's open up the notes. Okay. I have to like transport myself back to week three because it's been a minute now. So now I'm like a little bit out from what happened that week, but... First note I have here on my list is please talk about Ekin saying she feels like she's in a relationship after knowing Jay for two days. (laughs) The thing is, is that Ekin, you want to be like, oh my God, because she is off the rails. Like she's completely unhinged sometimes, but I fucking like her. I do. I like her and I, I like see bits of myself in her because Come on, Ekin is an anxious attachment girly if I have ever fucking seen one. <laughs> so I'm like, I see like parts of her that I'm like, hmm. <laughs> like in another reality, in another dimension, that could be me. It's not, but like there's aspects that I'm like, all us anxious attachment girlies look at Ekin Sue and think, ooh, in another reality, I am me and she is we, you know, like there, there is some overlap happening there. So I, I like see her, I hear her, I understand her, I get her. She is still off the rails. 
<laughs> but I guess at the beginning of week three, she is still with Jay. She's abandoned Davide. She's a liar. She's an actress. Still with Jay. Literally has been two fucking days. She's like in her confessional saying that she feels like she's in a relationship with Jay. After it being two fucking days. This is why I love Love Island so much. Because it is like so unhinged. It is. But it's like it's not even their fault. Right? Like this is. They're being driven to the brink of insanity because of the producers of this show. And the format of it. Like you can't even blame them for being off the fucking handle and saying shit like that. Cause I'm like, well maybe I would too. Like if I was in a villa and they were like, we're going to put you under constant surveillance for three fucking months. Like maybe I would start saying shit like that too. I can't fault them. I can't say that I would be better because maybe I wouldn't and we'll never know because they will not put a fat bitch on love Island. <laughs> so I get to sit here and make fun of them from my couch. But to be honest, like, maybe we wouldn't be better if it was us in the villa, guys. I'm just saying. But that's, like, such a major appeal of the show to me is how, like, disconnected from reality these people are and how, like, the relationships go from zero to 100. They know each other for five fucking days, and they're like, oh, my God, it's so good. It's so good, and I love it so much because I feel like so much of dating not on Love Island, like, in the actual world, like, if you acted like you did on Love Island in real life to people that you meet, people would be like, I don't know how to process this. I don't know how to handle this. I've known this girl for two days. <laughs> and she says it feels like we're in a relationship. <laughs> she doesn't even know me, but, like... <laughs> On Love Island, that's normal, babes. That's normal Love Island behavior. <laughs> and it just, it feels refreshing to me to for things to be a little bit more escalated and unhinged and just fun. We're just having so much fun. So I enjoy it and I'm Team Ekansue. I don't care what she does. I don't care if she does wrong, which she very often does and she will continue to do. I am at this point Team Ekansue. <laughs> Also, random note that I have here. I want my job to be picking music for Love Island. I think I would be so good at it. I have been, like, every time they have a song come on that I like, I'm, like, sitting here shazamming it. I've been looking through everybody's playlists on Spotify that's, like, Love Island 2022, all the music they're using. And I've gone through and I've listened to so many of the songs. And, like, they're fun. A lot of them are fun. Some of them are, like, boring house music type beats, but... I think it'd be such a fun job to just have to curate the music for Love Island. And I get the vibe. I see what they do. I see where they're going for. So I actually think that I could be a great hire. So Love Island, if you're looking for a new music vibe curator, you just let me know and you can credit me as vibe curator, curator of vibes. And I'll, I'll throw you some suggestions because I think I've, I've got a good ideas. I think my brain is being underutilized here. I have some things written here that I literally don't remember anymore. Like I have Ekansu versus the girls, which I don't even remember what that fight was about. It was so like inconsequential and it like never got brought up again. But I did have written here that I think the whole thing is stupid and Ekid made it worse than it needed to be. But I'm still team Ekansu. I don't know what the fuck I was talking about in these notes. I am team Ekansu. Um, all right. Fast forward a little bit. We get to the elimination where we get rid of Akena and Amber which Akena I saw coming that man was here for a vacation he was not here to find love and um yeah I definitely there was no shot that Akena was gonna make it through he was just boring as fuck Amber felt a little bit more surprising to me because I liked Amber I thought that she was interesting but she was what was she up against like Tasha and Ekansu for that elimination and I feel like you really can't get rid of Tasha and Ekansu because they've been driving the plot forward here so Amber was sad Amber was a sad elimination Akena was not we're moving onward we're moving upward immediately after Akena and Amber leave Dami and India sort of start their new thing or it started the day before they left where they were both like oh, I feel like there's something here that we haven't really explored. But then Akena and Amber, who Dami and India were both in a relationship with, not relationship, in a coupling with, they were both eliminated. So then they were like, oh, okay, 
fuck it. Like now we can just see each other and not have to, you know, break off anything because the people we were in couplings with just got eliminated. So then Dami and India start going together, flirting, having a good time. I like them together at this point. Not saying anything now, but at this point in time, I like Dami and India together. Um, mainly because I think India is just the cutest, sweetest thing ever. She's the most down-to-earth, normal girl in the villa. And Dami is hot. <laughs> That's what I'll say. Um, and yeah, he's funny. He's cute. Um, I like them together. I just want the best for India, okay? I think she deserves the world and a half. And Damia said, like, some cute stuff about her. I have written here that he said in one of his confessionals that he just feels like he wants to protect her and stuff, which I thought was sweet. I thought it was a sweet little sentiment. The thing is, is that you cannot trust these Love Island boys, mate. You absolutely cannot trust them because then they go around and mug you off the next episode. Fucking, my accent is getting worse and it's actually really bothering me because I feel like it used to be a lot better. Absolutely fuming absolutely fuming mate i can't believe you've done this also another random thought that i had while watching this week i was looking at the weather where they're filming because i was like how are these people not like sweating buckets like i actually logistically don't think that i could be on love island because i would have heat stroke like i can't be outside for that long especially when it's like hot out it's like fucking like 80 90 degrees while they're filming and like yeah they're in bathing suits but they're still outside like in the direct sunlight all day I would be the most boring Islander. I would be inside fucking in the AC or I would be like drowning myself in the pool. I would not just be out vibing on the chairs all day. What I'm saying here is that we need more boob sweat on Love Island. Where are my sweaty bitches at? Because they're not on Love Island and I know it's hot over there. Okay. And then when somebody goes to like sleep outside at night and they always take like a comforter with them, I'm like, bro, it's like 70 fucking degrees outside. What do you mean? You're sleeping with a comforter when it's in the seventies outside. I would literally die. Like I actually think my organs would stop functioning. I have such an intolerance to heat. So I'm like, where are my heat intolerant bitches? You guys are all cool with this? Fucking something's got to give. <laughs> So things are going on. Obviously, Ekin is like way too full on for Jay. And at this point, Jay is sort of like, uh, yeah, you know, we coupled up and now that we're like in it, uh, she's just, you know, she's a little much for me. She's a liability is basically what he said. And I get it, but I'm still team Ekin Sue here. I am team Ekin Sue. And I think that Ekin deserves someone who's going to appreciate that part of her. I see her. I feel for her. I like her. So I am still team Ek and Sue. Even though I get it, it like is a lot for two days in. But I'm an Ek and Sue defender. <laughs> I just am. Sorry, my notes are actually fucking all over the place. I don't know what the fuck was happening. But let's talk about Davide and Danica's kiss. Because what the fuck was that? Davide is an enigma to me I don't understand him I will not pretend to understand him he is a weird man he's a very weird strange man to me and he's very awkward but I don't think that other people perceive him as awkward like it seems like on the show everyone is just like oh he's so hot and sexy he has a six-pack he can do anything but then we have the kiss between him and Danica where there was like it was like incredibly awkward. Like there was like no vibe between them whatsoever. And then Davide just like leaps over and like lays one on her. And Danica's like visibly uncomfortable and is like shocked, taken aback by the fact that Davide just like went in and like full on snogged her. Um, and I don't think that's Danica's fault. Like I think that Danica's sort of getting the short end of the stick here. I feel bad for her because she just like hasn't had an easy time in the villa. She hasn't met anyone yet. Um, and then there's like this super awkward kiss. But I think the awkwardness is on Davide's part. He's the weirdo here. So then we have the unraveling of Ek and Sue and Jay's relationship that's sort of happening at the same time as Antigone and Charlie enter the villa. 
Ekansu and Jay's relationship sort of falling apart comes about because Jay wants to talk to Paige, who's currently in a couple with Jax. Jacques. Jax. Jax. Okay. <laughs> Paige is currently with Jax. <laughs> and Jay now wants to get to know Paige, who initially Paige would have been into Jay, but now it's like she's too deep in with Jax. And um, Miss Ekansu goes on a little bit of a bender. <laughs> she has a little bit of a moment again. Um, and then Charlie starts hitting on both her and Tasha for a moment, it seems like Tasha is interested and then not anymore. Ekin, it seemed like her interest was mostly just because Jay had just pied her off. So she had to sort of, you know, put herself out there again. Fucking, this is really bad, you guys. Um, and then the last note I have for week three is the Andrew Tasha drama. I think they're being very unfair to Tasha. So obviously, Charlie came in, took Tasha on a date. Um, they had like some little bit of a thing, thing there that Tasha was exploring again, we're week three now. So we're not like early, early days, but like, it's still early for any of these connections. Um, and so Tasha was naturally exploring Charlie coming into the villa. Again, these love Island standards are different than real world standards though. So in a real world situation, dating someone for three weeks is like not, a, a large amount of time and it, it is still fine if you want to date and see other people at that point but in love island time that's like you've been together for like a year so <laughs> the boys mainly luca and dami um they seemed to have like a beef with Tasha and they think that she's basically just sticking with Andrew until someone better comes along. She thinks they think that she's just sort of a little bit snaky in that regard. Now, I don't entirely disagree with them. I'm not sure that I believe that Tasha is super interested in Andrew either, but I think they're being unfair to like villainize her for that because at the end of the day, it still has only been three weeks. If that at this point. You know, it's like two and a half. So I like get the point because I also think that Tasha is not that into Andrew. But can you really blame her for that? Like, why are we getting all up in arms about this? All right. So then we have week four, which is a bunch of the same shit. Like I could go through all my notes here. But really, I think that the most interesting part of week four was the stripping challenge, which has it ever been that fucking graphic in any season of Love Island? I don't know. Like, do people literally take lessons before going on Love Island? Because there's just too many of them that were good at that. Like, I get some people being good at it. Like, oh, you're dancers or you've got experience fucking doing lap dances. Or maybe you're just confident as fuck. But taking a, you know, a group of like 10 people and being like, okay, all like strip and give lap dances to each other and they're all like super fucking sexy and like like going balls to the wall with it all of them I'm like all of you did you guys prep for this like it just seemed unreasonable that that many people would be good at it in the film <laughs> I was like what are the odds that all of you are really good at this yeah it was like really explicit I thought it was like the most explicit stripping that has ever happened in Love Island history I've never seen them go as crazy as they did in this episode um Jay was flexing literally harder than he ever has in his entire life which I don't like Jay I don't know why I can't even really tell you why maybe it's because I'm an I can suit defender but I also just think that I don't know there's something about like that genre of guy that's just like like flexing so hard his like veins in his forehead are gonna burst I just they kind of irk me I don't know why <laughs> the best part about that fucking challenge though which god bless this man but this was so humiliating is everyone was so hot like so sexy so confident like if you're not good at lap dances and being sexy like you at the very least you have to commit to the bit right so sir charles fucking charlie over here comes out in like a speedo 
like full asses out. It was like a thong in the back and just like light coverage in the front. I don't think that's his fault. I think that was the producer's fault for putting him in that. And maybe he was just so uncomfortable with the outfit that he was in that he couldn't really, I don't know, put himself out there. But even as I'm saying this, that man walked out and started doing the worm. If you were self-conscious about your outfit and like your dick falling out of this tight little speedo thong, like you probably wouldn't do the worm. If I was Charlie and I could do the worm, but I was in like that little fucking banana hammock. <laughs> like I, I wouldn't do a worm with that. I would think that the second I got up, my dick would just be fucking out. So maybe I take it back. He is just a weirdo. So he starts doing the worm and everyone was like, oh, okay. And then he like gets up to the girls and is just the most awkward person I've ever seen trying to like seduce people. He wasn't like really trying to be sexy. He just like would stand in front of the girls with like, he'd like put his dick in their faces, but he'd just like stand. And then he'd like turn and move to the back and have his cheeks in their face. And it's like, what are you doing? Like there was no attempt to be sexy there. He was just like a robot that also did the worm. It was very cringe. I felt very bad for him. Um, and ultimately the joke is on me because I'm the one who fucking had Charlie in fantasy love Island this week. So he got pied off by, Tasha, Ekansu, and then of course, end of the week, he got eliminated. Um, he and Antigone went home. So I lost 75 fucking points because of that man. I can't even believe it. So that's it for weeks three and week four. Week five is Casa Amor. So next week, we're going to have a lot to talk about. I've already seen the first two episodes of Casa Amor. Um, so. I already have a lot to fucking talk about, but we'll save that for next week. This episode has been so fucking long. My camera just died and I don't feel like getting a new battery in to say the last bit for this episode. So thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, be sure to follow the Emotionally Online Podcast Instagram. If you are interested in following us in there, it's at Emotionally Online Pod. Um, if you want to submit any advice requests or stories, there is a submission box in the description of this video. And you can also find that link on the Instagram as well if you listen on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever the fuck you're listening to this. But thanks for hanging out with me today. Very casual, very chill episode. Um, this was a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I will see you next week. Bye!